0: Preacher today with a suit on, This is great. And somebody, I think, as we've all dressed up, somebody ought to get married so we don't waste the opportunity. So, if there's a couple of volunteers, we'll do that at the end. All right? up for that? So, Steph had a dream about it, didn't you, though? So, uh, last time, uh, last time I, <laughs> last, every time I come here, the chairs are different. Now, uh, last, last time I came, there was no chairs. Now, we've kind of gone a bit more gladiatorial, which is... So I don't know what's going to happen next time. But it's lovely to be with you, even just to see what the chairs are like each time. I, I, but seriously, I, I, I love it. I love being... This is great. I love this Sunday. I'm going when to... I, when I get on a train, I'm going to tweet, right, to every, to every RM church they need to do a nation Sunday. Because this is great. Because it really... It dignifies and honours the different cultures. Even if we're not living in a very multicultural area, some of our churches aren't, to actually get God's heart for the nations is really important because a church isn't a proper mature church unless it is expressing the international heart of God. It just isn't. There, there, there's, so God's heart is multicultural because he created the cultures. The cultures are not the result of the fall. The cultures are actually the result of multi-diverse, glorious, amazing, beautiful, creative ability. Just like you see in different plants and different animals and different sort of... You've oh, got no idea, you know. Why did God make the English? I've got no idea. But it, there's something ironically beautiful about the oddity of each culture, the, 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 the kind of idiosyncrasies of each language and each people. Group, and God loves it. Now every culture's got things in it that are ungodly, which we need to challenge with the gospel and redeem, but everything's, every culture's also got things in it that are godly and are unique to that culture, and need to be brought into the family of God that we might all be enriched. So I want to say if you're from another nation or another culture, you've got some kind of different cultural background other than English, not only are you welcome here, you are needed here. Please hear that. It's not... I'm not patronising, I'm absolutely serious, if you don't bring your flavour, the church will not mature into the beautiful body of Christ that he desires her to be. So I think this little start, this little, little glimpse this Sunday of actually putting the magnifying glass on the nations, I would applaud you for that, I really would, and say let's think of some other ways of doing that. I'm going to really try and encourage everyone to have a go at something like this, because I love just hearing the different prayers and seeing the costumes, it's great. That Irish costume, Man Alive, that is... That is... <laughs> I mean, I am lost for words. But God loves it, I think. <laughs> So, uh, what I wanted to do, just in, um, in uh, you've upset that baby now with the Irish costumes, so I won't get you, uh, is just in this sort of 30 minutes or so, just to, I just want to tell you, tell, I mean some of you are probably familiar with this story, but I just want to tell you God's big story, so that we understand where the nations fit, because it's, if we, we can, I don't know, if you ever feel like this, you can kind of walk around, particularly in a great big city like London, and you just think, man, I'm so, such a speck of dust in the midst of just, like, vastness. You think, what, what's it all about? What, where do I fit? Is there any point? What is all this, what is this all about? And knowing God's big story actually helps us see, in God's eyes, how valuable and hand-picked chosen precious and special every single one of us is it's extraordinary the bible even says that you know even a sparrow falls to the ground god knows it you know we think we're small but creatures much less than us matter to god They're in his heart he carries he carries um, tenderness towards everything and everyone he's made and we can only really understand that when we grasp something of the big story of God, so we see where we fit in it. So I'm just going to try and take you on a very whistle-stop tour of the Bible from beginning to end. Some of you have thought, dear God, how is he going to do that in 30 minutes? Really, it's just little signposts through the Bible. We've locked the doors. No one's leaving. (laughs) until. uh, And when I'm in numbers, we'll bring around some emergency drinks. Uh, But no, seriously, we will be able to get through this, and you will get home before this time tomorrow. Uh, uh, now, where does it all start? Well, it started in, in in the Garden of Eden. Genesis gives us this amazing picture of God creating a man and a woman, creating Adam and Eve, out of which, carrying within their DNA, was all the incredible cultures of the earth, which God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. He, he wasn't asking them to do that because he just wanted lots of people to get jobs done the reason he did that was because he fellowshiped with them the bible says he it gives us a picture of him walking with adam and eve in the cool of the evening says the lord used to come down in the evening and walk with them perhaps at the end of a of a day's work where they were working fruitfully. Work is not the result of the fall. I I know you might feel when you go in tomorrow morning, dear, this must be uh, the result of the fall. And certainly there is is aspects of it that we'll see why it feels like that. But God made man and and woman that we might be fruitful, that we might enjoy productivity, creativity. We might partner with him. And he would come down, he would walk with Adam and Eve, enjoy the cool of the evening and the thing that caught God's heart was this relationship he he loved the relationship with Adam and Eve he it's not that he was lonely it's not that we somehow human beings make up some lack in God rather it's more that out of his abundance of self-sufficiency he can't help himself but generate more of uh, more channels for his love to flow if God is love, as he is by definition, love means, by definition, the the self-giving of yourself purely for the benefit of others at no, with no regard for what you might get out of it. That's what pure love is. So God, God was just looking for new ways to express who he was. So he made man and woman in order to lavish love upon them. So, This beautiful relationship where he loved them, he made them, he loved them, he enjoyed their company, and they loved him back. I mean, it was incredible. And so he said to them, Do you know what? I like this so much. Let's fill the whole world with this kind of relationship everywhere. I've put within you the seed for the nations spread out across the earth. Let's let's fill the earth with this kind of relationship. I love people, have lots of them. So that's kind of where... That was God's plan. He wanted to fill the earth, and uh, God made it, and he wanted us to beautify it. He wanted us to tend it, to, to, to work with him at making beautiful, and organizing, and managing, and tending, and looking after all the things that he'd made. It was a partnership between man and God that he loved, and we loved. Now, the enemy, Satan, the devil, we're told, very deceitfully, uh, hid his identity and, uh, in, 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 uh, and spoke to Adam and Eve and tempted them to question God's loving commitment to them and said to them, you know, did God really say, God has put limits, because he said, you know, you, you can do everything you like, you can go everywhere you like, you can eat every tree, from every tree, every fruit, but don't touch this one because that's just for me, that's just that's for my glory, that one, I want you to leave that one. It's not because God was being awkward, it's just because he's he's protecting them from from something that they don't need. It's actually important for us to live in in dependency on God because it's part of a loving relationship of trust. We trust where he sets boundaries and he entrusts to us things that he asks of us. And that's part, actually in any relationship, there isn't any depth to the relationship unless there is that kind of a trust. So it wasn't like God setting them a trap. It was actually him wanting to express trust in their relationship. But Satan got behind that and he got into their heads and he said, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you actually take that, you will actually be like God. You're not going to die, you'll be like God. You'll be on a level with him. And that whole sin thing within Adam and Eve kicked in and they did what God didn't ask, they broke trust and in that moment, everything fractured, was ruined, became difficult, sin entered into the world, so our, our governing disposition in our hearts was no longer holy, it was now sinful, we were now alienated from God, death came, we were never created to die. That's why death feels such an enemy to us, such a strange thing for human beings to go through, because no human being was ever supposed to die. We, were etern- we are eternal beings. Physical death should not be a part of our our, our, our journey. But death came, sin came, it's all ruined, it's totally ruined. And a curse came upon man and upon the earth, and rather than work being glorious and fruitful and satisfying and fulfilling, The language used is, you know, you'll work the earth and the sweat of your brow and uh, through the sweat of your brow you'll you'll gain a living, there'll be thorns, there'll be thistles, it's going to be... Hard, there was this fracturing, and man lost his connection with God completely. Spiritual death happens, so a man is now lonely on the planet, walking around, wondering why am I here so subsequent generations, even this generation today, even some of you sitting here ever since not the day you were born, but the moment you started to think and reason, who am I, what am I, why am I here? You're searching for a meaning, you're searching for something in your life that makes sense, and you can never find it, and do you know why you can't find it? It's because you were created for a relationship with God that was lost all those years ago, and no one ever has been able to restore that other than one person we'll come to later. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, no matter what you do, where you go, how you feel your life with whatever, the results of the fall have utterly fractured your humanity so it will never make sense to you. There will always be that nagging question, why am I here? What is the meaning of this? It doesn't mean anything. Even if I gain everything, I'm just going to die and someone else is going to get it. What's the point of that? That's the book of Ecclesiastes in 30 seconds. (laughs) It's exactly the point of Solomon's. What's the point? Working for it all, then I save it all up, and then I drop dead, and then someone who hasn't worked for it comes and gets it all. What is that about? That's the meaning of life. It doesn't make any sense. The reason it doesn't make any sense goes all the way back to the garden. And that terrible, terrible choice that our forefathers made, and now every single one of us is in Adam. We are in Adam. He is our representative before God when we're born. We're, we're from him. We're of his descendancy. The curse, the fall. We are born sinners and therefore we start to sin. Now, you, know, not, no, you think, what's the word sin mean? Well, it basically means we're born hostile to God. We're born separated from him. We're born with an independence that lives away from him that we cannot correct of our own. We cannot correct it because it started back then. But even in the midst of that curse there was a promise uh, just a little seed of a promise because God had a redemptive plan God had a redemptive plan and and he said to Eve he said you know from your seed you know the fruit uh, uh, that you bear um, Satan will will strike his heel but he will crush his head there was something even prophetically saying that Somewhere along the line, somewhere in humanity, some seed of uh, Adam and Eve would somewhere provide the, the the antidote, the correction, the the ability to put right that which was lost. There's this little little shadow of a promise that they didn't really understand, but Scripture tells us it was there. That there would be this wrestling this seed of the woman would suffer, but would finally overcome Satan. And then we fast forward some generations, and there's an Iraqi man called Abraham, minding his own business, uh, worshipping the sun, actually. I don't mean he went on holiday and put suntan on. I mean he worshipped, he thought the sun was God. He's an Iraqi sun worshipper, a likely candidate for the salvation of the world. Uh, And for some reason, God liked him. I always find that amazing. For some reason, God likes you. Isn't that incredible? You can look at people around you and think, well, I can understand why he's like me, but I don't know why he's like you. Well, that's, that's how Abraham was. Yeah, why would he like it? He, he didn't worship God. He didn't give any thought to God. He didn't, he didn't seek God. He, was a, he, he thought the Son was God. And God appeared to him and said, Abraham, through you... All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And you will be a father of all nations. And Abraham said, okay. That's essentially what being a Christian is. That's what being a Christian if you're is. If, if you're not here today, no, it's not going to work. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're thinking, oh, what is all this Christian business? What is all this Jesus stuff? If you really boil it all down, Abraham, as he later became known is actually an example of what it is to be a Christian in the simplest form. God promised him something, and he said, I'm going to do this for you, and Abraham said, okay. And it says, the Bible says, God credited it to him as righteousness. Why? Because he believed who had made the promise. Now... When you become a Christian, it's not about being religious. It's not about doing anything good. It's not about doing something to somehow earn God's approval. It's not about going through some sort of cleansing ritual where you come out the other side and God says... Before you go in, God says, And when you come out, he goes, ah. It's not like that. There's, there's nothing you can do to change his ugh to an ah. It's not, you, someone else did that for you. Someone else did that for you. And actually, being a Christian is just believing God's provision for you In Jesus Christ, which we'll come back to. It's about putting the full weight of your confidence that when God says he's going to save you through a certain way, you say, okay, I believe that. I believe that. That's the deal. It's almost too simple. Christianity is incredibly simple. It's not easy. The a difference. Because he had to trust him. He had to think, okay... Are you trustworthy? But he did. And he said to him, all right. And it says, the Bible says, Abraham set out even though he didn't know where he was going. I mean, this is great. This is a real example of a man of faith. I will go where? I don't know. But I'm on my way. And it even says of Abraham, he died still looking for where he was going to. He, did, he didn't even get there. He was looking for a city. He was looking for the fulfillment of something. And in his generation, he didn't get it. We haven't still got it because there's a generation one day where it will all be completely finalized. But Abraham set off on the journey. He didn't know... He was looking for a city whose architect and builder was God. He was looking for something of God's completion of what he started in the garden. So he set off. And Abraham then, cut a long story short, started to have some children. Bit tricky start, but he got there in the end. and he had a, And he had some children... And that those children soon started to form a nation called Israel. And, they, and then God gave them some promises and some land. And he said, here's some promises, there's some land. If you go into the land, I'll fulfill the promises. And they wandered around a little bit and messed it up a bit. But eventually they started to go into the land. And God would presence himself with them. He would travel with them on wheels, as it were. There was, there was a, a, a tabernacle, which is basically a posh word for a tent... And, and God's presence in those days was in this, this little box where the, where the Ten Commandments were when God had spoken to them, they'd carry this box along when they'd stop for a rest, they'd put the tent up, put the tablets in, put the box there and God's presence, this pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night would just reside over this nation of people who were nomadic looking for this city that Abraham had started off and they still hadn't found it and they're on their way and God's presence was with them And only a few special people could go right into the presence of God, but it spoke of something. It said there's a day coming, there's a day coming where access to God is going to be restored the way it was back in the garden. And so they were journeying, looking for, they longed for God's presence. Moses said, if you don't come with us, we're not going. There was something within his heart. Moses kind of came after Abraham and he was just like, no, if you're not with us, if you're not with us, we're not going. They were looking for this bigger fulfilment. And then they got into the Promised Land, they started to settle, and they built a city, they built Jerusalem, they were going to make permanent this nation on the earth, and then they built the temple, they got rid of the tent, we don't want a tent anymore, we want something built permanently, and God gave them some design for what this temple would look like, where this glorious, glorious temple... And again, right in the middle of this temple, this Holy of Holies, God's presence was. And only the priests or the special people could go in and meet with God, representing the people. It still wasn't the fulfillment of... It still wasn't back with what they had in the garden. It was just a a, a stop on the journey. And so his presence was with them. It It was a shadow pointing to something else. And then finally, you have this incredible moment in history when Jesus Christ is born and when he uh, grew to manhood he said you know destroy this temple and i'll raise it in three days and they thought he was talking about the the brick built temple but what jesus was saying is no I, i am the temple you've been looking for the presence of god you've been looking for a restored relationship with god well god's now come to you and he's clothed himself in your frail flesh so that you can be restored back to the relationships you once had with him in the garden. Jesus, Jesus came to us, he didn't ask us to come to him. He closed himself with the very frailty that had actually caused the problem. The only difference between him and us was this, he never sinned. And he never could sin. He was, the reason he couldn't sin was because he was God. The reason he could actually represent us is he was fully like us the two things had to come together. God's rescue plan came. And Jesus came and he said, the kingdom's come. God's rule has broken out on the planet again and he healed the sick, he taught people, he cast out demons, he... He, bind up, he bound up the broken hearted, everything that had been lost through the fall. He demonstrated his ability to put it all right. And crowds gathered to him and people listened to his teaching. And he, he modeled a new humanity on earth again. And it was very focused on where he was. So he trained some others. He trained some disciples. And he said, you go and break the kingdom. And, and gradually more and more followers of Jesus happened. And then the unthinkable happened. Jesus was crucified. And people thought, we thought you were the one who was going to restore it all but now there you are on a cross nailed to it dying gasping your last breaths and the dream we thought of a restored kingdom's gone but what they didn't realize was this that as he had the thorns rammed on his head he was taking the very curse of the thorns that were given in genesis as he as he died his death he was dying the death that we should have died because of the fall in Genesis. As he as he hung there, all of our sin was placed on him. And he took ownership of every wrong thing that every human being has ever done. In such a way that when we come to him and do what Abraham did did and say, I believe Jesus, you are God's provision to connect me back with the Father, we say okay to Jesus. In that moment, all of our sin is transferred onto him and he bears it. And in that moment, all of his righteousness is transferred onto us. In a moment. And we'd have to do anything except believe him believe he is the provision of god and the curse is then broken even though we physically still die at the moment we are actually living eternal life now you if you're a christian your last breath on earth whenever it comes will be followed immediately by your first breath in the presence of jesus death's been finished for you sin's been finished for you you are now a righteous person your natural orientation is holy now. You are now in Christ. You are not any longer in Adam. You've been transported. Now you think, well, that's very nice individually, but what does that mean? Well, what it means ever since then, and this is why... Oops, just turned myself off. There we are. No, I'm oh, sorry. Sorry, did something there. Why, this is why a nation's Sunday is really important, because... The Bible says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. The Bible says that we spread everywhere the fragrance of Christ. If you are in Christ, you've become part of his new family, this new tribe on the earth. There is now a tribe on the earth that's never been on the earth before. And this tribe is made up of every culture, every people group, every language, every, every uh, beautiful, creative part of God's original DNA in Adam, as it were, that cultural time bomb ready to go off and bless the earth, that, that is now what God is now in the process of rebuilding on the earth through Christ. And in Christ, all the nations will be gathered back to him. And the church's best days are before her, not behind her. There, there is going to become an increasing momentum in the nations where more and more people from more and more nations, more and more people groups with ever increasing numbers will flock to know Jesus and he will see this, uh, Isaiah and Micah said that in the last days the mountain of the Lord will be raised up as chief among the mountains and many nations will flock to it. It'll be above every other philosophy, every other political view, every other educational view, every other scientific view, every other cultural view, every other language every other people group, every, every other kingdom that's ever been on the earth will be dwarfed by this incredible mountain of God's church filling the earth and we are part of it. We are part of it. So your little life, lived in Camden, Camden looking around, thinking, where do I fit into that You are part of this incredible family that one day will fill the earth. God started with a garden, he'll end with a city. And you've got a place in it. And you might think, well, I don't like cities, I want to be in a garden. Yeah, well, it's not physical, right? You won't have to queue for buses, really. He's just talking about numerical expansiveness. God's plan is for his church, his new man on the earth, to spread out throughout the planet. That's why on the day of Pentecost they heard... All the different languages being spoken in praise of God. It was a prophetic sign that God's, God's gone global. That's why when you do something like you've done today, you are touching the very purposes of why this planet even exists. That's a big deal. It's not just, oh, that's a nice thing to do a Nation Sunday. No, it's the whole point of what God is about. Every nation should be a Nation Sunday. Do you get that? Because it, it's not about different cultures having more, well that's a more Christian culture, that's not a Christian, rubbish. There's no such thing as a non-Christian country or a non-Christian culture. All of the cultures belong to God. We talk about, oh, the, uh, the UK is a post-Christian, culture Rubbish. All the nations belong to God and he will have people from every nation, tongue and tribe in his new family on the earth. He will do that. And you may be here today and you've never heard the gospel. You've never heard how much Jesus loves you. You might think, well, how do I ever get to know God? You get to know God through Jesus Christ, through doing what Abraham did. saying, I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me and I put my trust in you to forgive me, to cleanse me to give me a new heart, a new life, to be born again of the Spirit of God, and what was dead now becomes raised to life. I'm a, now a new creation through you. When you believe that, you are transported to become exactly that thing, a new creation. Just as I finish, I want to just say this. When we think to ourselves, okay, what, is, what does my life matter? What, what does my life count for? If you worked in a, let's say you worked in a, uh, a car factory, and I said to you, what's your job? And you said, well, I just put the wheel nuts on wheels of cars. That's my job. A bit boring. That's what I do. Put the wheel nuts on. Or you could say, I am part of the team that makes some of the best cars in the world. It all depends how you look at it. And you might think, what's my point here? How can I make a difference in the nation? Well, I just make the tea, or I put the chairs out, or I, I do this, or I collect some food for the food bank, or I teach the kids, or I, you know, you can put yourself down, or you can say, do you know what? I'm part of the team that's helping build the greatest family the planet has ever seen. It all depends how you look at it. And you might think your life has meant nothing, means nothing. People have said you're rubbish, you're an irrelevance, you're a waste of space. You're never going to amount to anything. In Christ, you have eternal importance because God gives you eternal importance in helping build his bride in the nations for the nation. You don't even have to leave Camden to do it. The nations are on your doorstep. You've got a part to play in God's eternal glorious purposes. So I'd like you to stand with me. I'm just going to pray that God's going to really burst out of this church with multicultural dynamic. I don't know what he wants to do, but I just feel there's something going on amongst you that's very exciting to do with multicultural true church, what true church looks like. So Father, I want to pray for this church Lord, that this would almost become a a bit of a flagship, a bit of a flagship to demonstrate that what people have been trying to do on earth through political negotiations and financial negotiations and educational discussions and have found it to be frustrating and unfruitful and incomplete, I pray that somehow you will demonstrate through this church the amazing wisdom of heaven that brings people together from different nations, nations that perhaps have warred against each other, but now in Christ have turned swords into plowshares. I pray that you will demonstrate something, Lord, of your incredible wisdom that isn't just talk, But people can see a redeemed community living together. So you've got kind of rich um, city workers sitting next to people below the poverty line. And blessing one another and knowing one another as brother and sister. And meeting one another's needs. A level playing field of carrying each other's burdens. I pray lord for an amazing demonstration through this church that is not words alone but does something in the community I believe lord you're going to cause this church to spread out into into other boroughs and other nations there's a There's a great reach coming from this church, but there's also a close-by reach. And I pray, Lord, that you will demonstrate the same DNA wherever you take this church. I pray for those who are here today that don't know you yet, Jesus. I pray that something, even of the way... I've tried just my best to give some flavor of the gospel. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll take it and you'll do your work in hearts, Lord, because you're the one who, who um, communicates everything and makes everything real to us and you teach us even through... Um, the the, the weaknesses of our own human vocabulary, you're able, Holy Spirit, to touch hearts. And I pray that life will come from today. I pray for people to be born again from today. There may be people who go out from this meeting and say, I don't know what it was about that meeting, I didn't understand everything about it, but I feel God is on my case. I feel Jesus loves me. I feel I need to get to know this Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you kind of pursue people with your love, so they understand that you love them, you died for them, that you love them that much, that you died for them. They're not kind of just an accidental person, they're someone you pursued all those th- centuries ago because you loved them. I pray for people from other nations that are coming from nations where so called they're closed to the gospel. Lord, let them be the first fruits of many. From their nations, I pray. I pray for so-called closed nations here today. Open them, Lord. Open them. You can open a door that no man can shut. No such thing as a closed nation to you. You made all the nations. We ask you, Lord, you find your ways in. Lord, some years ago we'd have been amazed to ever think the Berlin Wall would have come down. And now it's just a dim, distant memory. We would have never believed it. Lord, I pray you'll do the same thing with every other ideology that stands up against the truth of the gospel. Win through with the love of Jesus into every nation, tongue and tribe so that Jesus will have what he came to die for. One new man in Christ. His new tribe on the earth made up of every culture, language and people group. We ask that in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen.